Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tent Talks. It is a solo episode today. We're talking about, oh my gosh, well, we're kind of talking about New Year's goals through the lens, though, of fat phobia. And there's a lot of triggers around the new year to make goals to be thin or to change your body or modify it in some way. And that can just be such a failure for some people or set people up for weird ideas. And it can really add to diet culture and to this pervasive obsession that we have with body modification and dissatisfaction in our own body. I really love the body and I see a lot of bodies and I'm so amazed at bodies and their abilities and capacities and even the wonder and the awe. It, it, it's almost at a level of divine reverence to the body. And I think bodies contain our story. I really believe that your body is holding on to your biography and even your genetic story. So your ancestor's story is coming through your body. And that's a really powerful tool and expression to work with. And even on the level of your nervous system and how your body regulates, that's something that you inherited from your parents and from being in utero. And when we spend so much time in this dissonance place with our body or dissatisfaction or need to modify and change, I think we kind of miss the point of having a body because a, a body's a storyteller and we can choose the story that our body is telling sometimes, but not all the time. I mean, there's so many people that are really afflicted with autoimmune or chronic issues and they don't have solutions. And being in a thinner body does not equate to health, but we've really, as a society, told that story for a long time. And it's really harmful. And it's harmful to men. It's harmful to women. It's harmful to children. It's harmful to everybody. It just kind of hits people a little bit differently. I want to tell you a little bit about my personal experience being in my body. I figured out that I was fat in kindergarten I didn't really know that I was. I knew that fatness existed and that fat people were problems. And I think that was a subconscious subliminal message because like in cartoons, often a villain will be fat and that will be equated with like greediness or laziness or some kind of negative attribute that like everybody kind of agrees is not great. So I kind of knew that it wasn't okay to be fat. But I, I actually didn't have the ability to identify or see myself as that until I entered kindergarten. And I was teased about the size of my legs. And I just remember thinking, oh, that is weird. Yeah, my legs are different. 
And then that just became more and more enforced with comments. And interestingly enough, some of the worst comments that I ever got were from my friend's dads. Let me repeat that. The comments that made me feel the most self-conscious or reminded me about my body were my friend's, plural, dads. And I think it is inappropriate for anybody to comment about another person's body in a public setting or one-on-one unless there's consent or unless it's like a doctor's visit or something like that where there's an understanding that you're going to be talking about a body. Even then, there's still a lot of bias that can change the way that care providers help bodies. But I had a few really weird comments that I still remember and that have stuck with me that came from my friend's dads. And it's hard for me now as an adult to look at those men the same way, because why did they feel the need to sexualize or to make comments about a little girl's weight? And I remember my fourth grade teacher talking to my mom about my body weight. And that was really weird too. And that really tainted my relationship with my teacher, feeling safe going to school every day because I was then aware that she was aware of my body and had opinions about my body. And I just want to stress that because kids don't have any power to modify their body. They don't work. They don't buy the groceries. They don't prepare the meals. And beyond that, it's also that kids go through, you know, a different cycle of weight distribution. And I think little girl bodies do that. I think it takes years for their sexual organs to fully activate and wake up. And that comes accompanied with things that we haven't even identified as a society yet, like stomach pain and anxiety and emotions that are caused by those hormones that are being released in the body to wake up the sex organs. And that happens in both, you know, everybody goes through puberty, so it happens in any gender. But I think there's a really distinct thing that happens to women or to little girls because they become sexualized when they have their periods. And it often is through the lens of regulating or monitoring a body through weight and how their weight gets distributed because it's okay for the weight to go into the breasts, for example, versus the the tummy or something like that. So I think beyond children not having really any say in what their body looks like, I think we need to extend that to a lot of adults. Like there are just certain things that are genetic, whether it's how tall you are, or you can see in family generations, like body types and, and what things look like. And through a lot of starvation or excessive working out or supplementing or surgeries, you can change 
certain things about your body, but you can't change everything about your body. And I think we deserve to feel well and happy and healthy in our bodies. But I think part of the problem that adds to this desire to change the body comes from not being okay to have a wide variety of bodies that are good bodies. And every body is a good body just by the fact that it's a living, breathing, divine creation. And that's really important to start from that baseline because our society has deemed certain bodies more valuable, more worth investing in, or given more resources to different bodies. And that's really unfortunate, and it's really a a massive problem. And there is probably a lot of pressure right now in your social media and different advertisements that you're seeing about body modification and changing your body with the new year, because we get slammed with that kind of media right now. And it comes in really sneaky ways. And some of the most insidious ways that it comes is through the lens of health. People can get really obsessed with being healthy. And again, just expanding the definition of what healthy means and comparing that with what you think health is. There's some real discrimination that happens in fat bodies that we don't really like to talk about because it's uncomfortable and it means that we're all kind of uplifting fat phobia as a society. So the first thing which is obvious is there's a lot of medical discrimination that happens to fat bodies. They don't get treated or seen in the same way, because everything kind of comes down to a conversation about weight. And so you could be talking about one thing, going to the doctor about one thing, and you could leave that conversation not getting treatment because of the way that your body looks or how much it weighs. And so a lot of fat people get overlooked with how they're getting treated because the emphasis is solely on weight and not maybe what the real story is. Like you can read hundreds of thousands of stories of people just saying like, I knew something was wrong and nobody was listening to me. I was saying, this isn't right. Yes, I I do weigh this much. Yes, I have a fat body, but something in here is not Right. And they're just not getting the advocacy and the testing and the help because to a provider who has fat phobia so ingrained in the way that they practice and their ways of showing up, it's like, well, let's take care of the most obvious thing here. And that is that you'll be overall healthier if you were thinner. And this is a very generally accepted idea that health strictly has to do with weight. And it doesn't. It's a factor of several factors. But it's not this magical recipe that we're giving the power and the credence to that belief system right now overall, because I mean, you might even hear yourself saying that, well, I would just be so much healthier if. But we know through COVID 
that people who didn't have extra weight on them to lose, it became dangerous for them with COVID specifically, but with a lot of other conditions. If you're underweight, it's really bad for you. Things can affect you a lot differently because your body will start to seep minerals and seep nutrients. And there's a reason even why weight fluctuates, because there are times of necessity within the human experience when having more weight on your body is really beneficial. And we we tend not to have those conversations because we celebrate thinness and looking underweight. That's what's considered a healthy look. So we know that there's medical discrimination that happens all the time with fat people. And we've heard these stories. And sometimes it is actually so bad that it ends in people dying. So it's not just like a chronic problem that affects somebody with something small. This medical discrimination with fat people is actually fatal in a lot of cases or enough cases that it's a real problem that we need to really address fat phobia as a society. How we practice medicine, we need to take the fat phobia outside of that. And it's a real systemic problem. Another way that fat people get discriminated is accessibility to things. So when we talk about restaurants, traveling, the arts, there's universal standard sizes for things. And I guess an easy example of that is just walking into a store, like some stores don't carry other people's sizes. And I remember this as a teenager. I went shopping with my friends and we went to the mall and we were going to places like 579 and oh, there was another store. I can't even remember the name. I probably blocked it out. But I just remember, I can't shop here, but I'm going to pretend to be okay and to support everybody trying on their clothes and having this fun experience. Because like, I don't know how to advocate for myself in this moment of saying like, we need to go to a different store that has bigger sizes because I can't really participate right now. And that was such a core painful memory for me because it was some celebration and we just weren't shopping at stores that had sizes that could fit my body. And as a teenager, that was just really hard to fathom. But it's amazing in like even the difference of how things are labeled for men and women, it's like women's plus clothing. And like for men, it's like big and tall. But we know that a lot of people, a lot of tall women, they have to find extended sizing. Short people have to do this, like people with more fat on their body have to do this. It's not that hard of a concept. But the way that we articulate this, there's so much shame around the plus size section of a store versus using the language of like big and tall or something like that, you know, unless you're aware of it, it might just even pass you by. Another thing I remember this happening is like, 
on airplanes, like somebody made a complaint that they were sitting next to a fat person and the fat person had to like buy an extra seat. I remember that happening and then having this like chronic fear of traveling that I would sit next to somebody and if our elbows touched or if my thigh touched them, that I'd have to buy another seat. And it's it's like over a lifetime my body has kind of been tracking all of this discrimination, but I didn't call it as discrimination because I just thought that I was a problem. I had a problem. My body was fat, so it was the problem. But this is happening to a lot of people, and we're doing better. I remember when Target a few years back just started being more inclusive in sizing and with models, and it was like this really big deal and this really celebrated thing. And I'm glad that we have that, but that wasn't happening when I was growing up. And for the adults in today's society who are maybe raising children, it's really important to normalize bodies and and even neutralize different body types. Because I know this through working with hundreds, thousands of bodies, that everybody's body has a different story and something that it's feeling self-conscious about. The thing with fatness is that there is real discrimination. There is real systemic discrimination. And we know that, but we don't like to say that because then we'd have to look at our fat phobic belief systems that we really do think on some level that it is more healthy to be thin. And there's evidence that suggests that, but it's also biased. So there's so many variables here. I would never want to give misinformation, but I think sometimes we have to look at the larger picture that when we hold these beliefs and we're actively discriminating people, there is oppression that has to have a light shown on it, even if there's truth in the other side of the discrimination. We just have to call out the oppression and the discrimination because that has to stop. We can hold multiple truths at the same time, and we can treat people with dignity and with grace, no matter what their body looks like. I wanted to share some things that being in my body have felt like, just for perspective and awareness. And by the way, I I would like to say that I have internalized fat phobia. And the more that I talk about this, the more that I release the shame that is held inside of my body. And so I understand that this is a hard topic to not only for me to talk about, but to hear and to explore because it is universal, but we're all holding a piece. So my piece, how things feel in my body, things that I pay attention to that maybe you've never had to think about or pay attention to is I notice how I breathe around people, especially doing something physical. I don't want to breathe too loud or I wouldn't want somebody to have to pace themselves. Like it's really hard 
And, and some people will not pace themselves around you. Like some people, they are used to setting the pace. They need to set the pace. And even when you point it out, they're just like, well, I'm just being me. But on the other end of that, like if you're doing everything you can to keep up with somebody, but you're trying not to like be too winded in an activity, that's, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know how to say it. It's just, I remember as a kid, I just used to love to ride my bike more than I would. I've always hated running. I don't know why I just have. And it made me not ever want to play soccer because I just thought this is all just running and I hate running. But I I remember as a kid saying, why are we in such a hurry? Can't we just ride our bike? And I think there was something internalized about my being that just didn't like feeling rushed because I didn't want to be heavily breathing around somebody else. And I don't know why. That just is something that is part of a, yeah, an awareness in my body. Another thing that I do is I notice how much people eat. And I notice how much people eat because I don't want to eat more than them or I notice if I do eat more than them because I don't want to take up too much space in a lot of areas. And so that's one of them. I just, what is a normal amount to eat? Like I'm trying to gauge that, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anything to be blamed on, on something as simple as like, oh, she's just eating way too much. And there are times I do eat, you know, more or emotionally eat. And, and I can recognize that. But there's also a lot of fat people don't eat enough. You can be in a really big body and have several different eating disorders, including not getting enough calories throughout the day. And this is something that really stresses me out is when somebody is not eating enough. Because I grew up in a family with three older sisters, all of them had varying degrees of eating disorders, and it was very normalized. But noticing eating changes the way that you engage with people, because you just want to be in this place that doesn't draw any attention. I also notice my relation to people, how much space I'm taking up, like don't stand too close. If you're sitting in this seat, this seat is, you know, has more space or there's a lot of things about space and how much my body's taking up and if it's okay or allowed or if the space will allow me like the physical space will allow my body to take up more space. Because again, this systemic approach of discrimination is some places they don't allow you to take up more space. And if you're in a bigger body, you know which spaces are the really tight spaces because you want to avoid those because it's uncomfortable to be uncomfortable around other people when you're trying to just enjoy a moment. I also have a lot of intrusive thoughts. And for anybody who is my dear friend, I know that this isn't true, but I have to say these things out loud because it dispels them. It takes away the shame. It takes away that charge inside of myself. But sometimes I think that people are only friends with me because I'm non-threatening. 
because fat bodies don't pose a lot of competition or threats. In fact, I have a lot of female friends. Most of my friends are women. And I think it's easy for women to be friends with me because there's no competition posed. I don't I don't pose a lot of threatening character traits with how I look. And that puts people at ease because they don't have to play that game. Now, I know that's not true, but that's what my intrusive thoughts say. They say, well, they're friends with you because you're not threatening. And the other thought that comes is they feel bad for me. So they're friends with me because they feel bad for me. And these intrusive thoughts, I don't think they're singularly mine. I think I learned them from somewhere. I think it's something that is my responsibility to shift and dispel and to call out and to name and to change. But I think that people are getting these messages. And, you know, now in my family, I have a lot of nieces. I've got a lot of nieces who are teenagers and I'm seeing eating disorders and I'm seeing body dysmorphia and I'm seeing body modification practices and I'm seeing things that I would do as a teenager, but I couldn't quite recognize. And it's things like trying to hide in wearing certain clothing. It's things like trying to look a certain way I can see it and I can recognize it now. And I I think there's such a pressure on these young kids because where we had tabloids and, and media in a different way, they've got it in a whole new way. And it breaks my heart because what I see now is I see my nieces in varying degrees of eating disorders or different relationships with their their body. And I think it's something that is affecting the majority of us. And it's because we let this fat phobia thrive. We give it the power. Moving forward, things that have helped me is practicing body neutrality My body is not good or bad. It's just neutral. It's just existing. And I don't have to assign any kind of morality on my body for just its existence and for its, you know, layers of fat. It can just be a neutral piece of information. Another thing is providing myself with goals that don't have boundaries with weight, like you know, maybe increasing flexibility or increasing movement or even enjoying movement, practicing breathing fresh air. There's a lot of goals that people can have that don't specifically include fatness or how much a body weighs. Of course, not talking about other people's bodies in group settings, not pointing out Oh, hey, it looks like your body's changing. Oh, and and even in positive, sometimes people think they're doing positive things like, oh my gosh, you look so great. But some people are losing weight 
because of really negative things that happen in their life. And then they get that positive reinforcement. It's like if somebody's not eating, if they're in major stress, if they're grieving, if they've got an illness, there's medications, there's so many reasons why people gain weight or lose weight. And if we're commenting on that and celebrating somebody's body, even if we think it's harmless, it's not always harmless. So not commenting on people's bodies at all is a really great practice. And it's kind of hard to do if you're used to centering a lot of conversations around bodies. There are some families that are just really physical. Maybe they've got a lot of athletes or medical professionals or whatever. It can be a real commonplace to talk about bodies, but just stop doing it. There's plenty of things to talk about. And I would just invite that expansion of conversation topics and getting to know people in new ways. Also, any kind of fad diets or detoxes, those are healthy habits, whole 30, all of those things are diet culture. And sometimes we're really trying to make healthy choices really intentionally. Diet culture can be really insidious. And again, it can disguise itself. And I would just really encourage you to find other things to talk about than what you're eating. Find things to talk about beyond what foods you're avoiding. Because everybody's got an internal list of kind of it based on allergies or medicaid. Again, there's so many reasons why somebody could have modifications that they need to make. You can make those without announcing it to an entire room of people. You can just like not take on those beans or meat or sour cream or whatever it is you're trying to avoid. You just go about your business without making it a production. I just find it so interesting when people have this need to spend a lot of time talking about what they are or aren't eating or make it a community ordeal. It's like just take care of yourself. It sounds, just mind your own business. It kind of sounds, but once you're aware of how much we've normalized this and how it really adds to diet culture, to eating disorders, to fat phobia, it, it really is doing harm. So stop doing it. Anytime that we as individuals or as communities can find joy and pleasure in our body, I think that's a direct way to combat, that seems like such a violent word, <laughs> but to oppose and go against what's going on with with this war on on bodies. Do things that feel good. And again, every person's individual body will feel good doing something else. Like a simple pleasure that I like is I like textures. I like rubbing my hands on different things. That feels good to me. And just even spending a mindful moment to like touch a fabric or something like that, that is a tiny little pleasure receptor that happens in my body. For somebody else, that might completely throw them off. But that's the cool thing about getting to know your body and stepping into it is you can figure out things that your body really likes. I love to smell good. That's something that I so enjoy with my senses is smelling good. I like to have moisturized skin. 
my body enjoys certain things and doing things that feel good in your body fights this idea that our bodies are not good and that we have to keep changing them and altering them. Also finding a place of mind-body connection, I think that's directly related to finding pleasure in your body, but being really mindful about your body and the feelings and the stories and the emotions that it's carrying and finding real connection in that your body's this really multifaceted experience. And having the courage to speak out and resist some of these conversations, it can be pretty tricky. Again, because you might really be used to being in a pattern where you just all kind of talk about bodies or what you're eating or not eating or other people's bodies and what they look like, but really try hard to stop that. Really helpful resources for me have been the podcast maintenance phase, and it really does a great job of deep diving diet culture and fat phobia. And it's funny, it's clever, it's well-researched. Every episode is completely enjoyable. Tiffany Rowe on Instagram, she does mindful counseling locally. Her page is dedicated to diet culture and stopping the pervasive, insidious ways that it keeps showing up. And she really calls it out. And she uses a lot of cool psychology tips and help. And she gives a lot of resources. Her practice is based off of intuitive eating, and she goes into great detail. She's got a lot of free resources If you follow her on Instagram, I think she has online courses and lots of things that are available. But lastly, I think one of my biggest resources is stepping into my own body and appreciating it. And once we can do that and focus on our body in ways that aren't totally centered around weight, we can really enjoy the expansive experience of being a human. Because the deal is we just get this one body. And it's carrying our ancestors story, it's carrying our story. And we can play around with some of the variables. But there are certain things that we just can't really mess with unless there's major surgery involved. So you get to tell the story of your body and of your life through your body. And you can take on a lot of different experiences and you can enjoy things. And it doesn't have to be centered on accessibility and on weight. And it definitely doesn't have to be a solo journey. We can celebrate a lot of different bodies and a lot of different capacities But we can't really do that unless we first accept ourselves with with our bodies. And it's a big journey, but I, I just wanted to bring this up because I think New Year's time is this trap where we get a lot of subconscious messages and programs, and it can be disguised as health and wellness. And sometimes it really is health and wellness, and sometimes it's a fat phobia trap. And we're doing so much better as a society, and I think we can continue to to do better. And it just takes everybody paying attention to the pieces that they're still working out. 
And of course, there's so much compassion and there's so much love. And if there's anything that I feel toward bodies, it's just a deep reverence and respect and learning to do that for myself is truly the gift that allows me to do that for other people. And so, yeah, just a little mindful moment for your New Year's resolutions that your body doesn't need to be resolved in in any way. There's nothing that that you really need to change about your body to be happy. There are modifications, but but really bodies are enough of a celebration. Like having a body is a celebration. I hope that you can get to that resolution this year. Thanks for joining us on Tent Talks this week. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like it, leave a comment, share it with your friends. We're so happy to keep doing this. All the episodes are produced by Kimberly Mehmet, and we are just delighted to keep offering this to everybody. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.